Congregation, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. Once again, we'll be looking at chapter 8 now. And our text for this evening will be only one verse, John 8, verse 12. But we are going to read a little bit more than that. We'll get some context by reading through verse 30. It can be found on page 1662 in your pew Bibles. But before we read God's word, let's go before him in prayer. O Lord, our God, pure, bright source of light, eternal God of truth and right, by your Spirit, Lord, dwell within us. And by your Spirit, let us dwell in you. Pour out on us now the ability to hear, the capacity to understand, and the desire to act according to your holy word. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So John 8, verses 12 through 30. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. This is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of our God. <clears throat> now, people of God, if, if I were to walk from this pulpit right here back to the council room, I would have no problem right now. I mean, I, just, I did it at the beginning of the service. I walked from the council room here. I would have no problem right now. 
However, if, I, if we were to turn off all the lights in this sanctuary and we let everything get pitch black in here, which is pretty easy to do this time of year, the sun's already down. If we were to do that and it was dark in here, how well do you think I would do? I'd have to go down some stairs, I'd have to go through some doors, and frankly, I don't think I'd do very well with that. I'd be fumbling around trying to make sure I didn't hit anything, I'd probably trip and tumble down the stairs. It probably wouldn't go very well. It would be tough. And it would be tough because I couldn't see because there'd be no light. Now we all know the importance of light. That's why we turn on the lights when we go down into the basement. That's why we take a flashlight with us when we're walking around a campground at night. That's why we wait to do things until the daytime when we can see what's going around us. Light keeps us safe. And light allows us to see where we're going. However, in our lives, we often feel as if we're moving around in the dark, don't we? We're not sure of what lies ahead of us. We're not sure if there's going to be something in our way. We're not sure that going ahead will keep us safe. This world can be dark and frightening and full of uncertainty. But it's into this dark world that Jesus came. And when he did, he declared himself to be the light of the world, as we saw in our passage here this evening. And in that declaration, Jesus tells us that the light of the world is both our protection and our direction. That's our theme this evening, and we'll look at each of these two points. The light of the world is our protection and our direction. First, we see that the light of the world is our protection. But right away, we need to ask, protection from what? That's a logical question to follow, right? If, if the light of the world is our protection, from what are we being protected? And the logical an- answer would be darkness. Light protects us from darkness and from the dangers found within darkness. And where do we find darkness? Where, where is this darkness from which we need to be protected? Well, for starters, it's, it's in the world. That's what we see in Jesus' first statement. I am the light of the world. And when he says this, Jesus is saying something about the condition of this world. That it's dark and it needs light. Because if this world was fine on its own, then there would be no need for any kind of light. But as it stands, this world is in darkness. Now, it didn't start out that way. For when God created everything, he declared it good. There was nothing lacking. There there was no darkness. It was good. But when sin entered the world and Adam and Eve fell in the garden, then the world was affected by the fall. And so the whole world was plunged into darkness and it was waiting for the light. Romans 8 speaks of the entire creation groaning, waiting to be set free from the bondage of sin to move from the darkness of those chains to the freedom brought about by the light of the world. But until that time, this world is a very dark place. And we know that the world is a very dark place, don't we? Right? We hear of school shootings, we hear of drug, drug academic, epidemics, and terrorist attacks. We hear of laws passed that allow abortion up to the point of birth. We, we hear of an uptick in euthanasia. 
We hear of injustice and oppression and anger and discord and unrest and violence. This world is a very dark place. It's full of sin and hostility to God. And it's one of the sworn enemies of God and of his people. As we see in Ephesians 1, or Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 2, which says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, in which we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. The world, the flesh, and the devil, these three powers enslaved us, and they are contrary to the ways of God. The ways of God stand in direct opposition to the the ways of this world, the cultures of the world, and the trends of this world. What goes on in this world? It's a black and white difference. It's a difference of darkness and light. This world is a dark place, and therefore, since we live in it, we need the light of the world for our protection. But congregation, we must also note that the kingdom of this world had set up its reign in each and every heart on this earth. Not just the world, but our hearts are full of darkness. Earlier in the Gospel of John, John three nineteen, Jesus said, The light came into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Fallen, sinful man loves the darkness. And so just as we need to be protected from the darkness of this world, so too do we need to be protected from the darkness of our own hearts. Because the heart of sinful man is dark. We can see an example of this in the rest of what we read this evening. As Jesus conversed with the Pharisees following this proclamation. The Pharisees didn't believe Jesus, and so they tried to disprove his testimony by ignoring what he said. You said you're the light of the world, yeah, sure, whatever, but can you pack up your claim, Jesus? Can we trust what you've been saying? They completely disregard this light of the world comment in order to attack Jesus on proper court procedures. And in doing so, they show that they're oblivious to the light that is standing right in front of them, and they love the darkness instead of the light. And Jesus calls them on it. Verse 23, he says, You are of this world. The hearts of the Pharisees were of this world. And so they were darkened. And they couldn't see what was standing right in front of them. And what was standing right in front of them was Jesus. Who proclaimed himself to be the light of the world. And just like in John 6 when Jesus proclaimed himself to be the bread of life. To those who were already thinking about bread. Jesus makes this declaration about being the light of the world. When light was already on the minds of everyone present. Because Jesus said this at the end of the Feast of Booths. Also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. The Hebrew word for booth. In your Bibles you can see the heading above chapter 7 is Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles. And that setting remains the same into our passage. Which has a huge significance for what Jesus is saying. Now the Feast of Booths was instituted by God in Leviticus 23 in order for Israel to remember that time when they left Egypt in Exodus. And when they did that, they lived in temporary structures. They lived in booths. And during that time, as they were traveling across the wilderness, God protected them 
and led them by means of that amazing pillar of light, right? Of cloud by day and of light, fire by night. You can read about that in Exodus 13 and 14. And so part of the celebration of the Feast of Booths, apart from building booths, part of the celebration involved a special display of light that involved setting up four giant lampstands in the women's court of the temple. And every night for seven nights, these lampstands would be lit while the people danced and sang psalms. And the light would shine forth from these lampstands, illuminating the entire court, the entire temple, even a lot of the city of Jerusalem. Imagine the bright light shining out into the darkness. These lamps are burning all night long, illuminating the dark sky. It had to be an amazing sight to behold. And it was surely on the minds of everyone there who heard Jesus when he said, I am the light of the world. For when he said that, they had to have in their mind's eye that radiancy of those lampstands burning against the night sky, that light spreading across their region of the world. They would have been reminded of God's protecting presence among their forefathers. And now the God who had shown his presence among Israel by means of that pillar of light so many years ago, he's here again. Because remember, when Jesus uses this term, I am, it's a declaration that he is God on the basis of the name that God gave Moses in Exodus 3.14. I am who I am. Jesus is God, the same God who gave his people light so many years ago. He is the light of the world. But the Pharisees refused to believe. They preferred their darkness. And the same is true of every fallen heart. We refuse to recognize the light of the world because we love the darkness. And apparently the Chronicles of Narnia was on my mind this week because I'll make another reference here. I'm reminded of that haunting scene in the last battle where the evil dwarves have been thrown into the dark stable And when Aslan appears, the stable is suddenly shining bright in brilliant daylight. But the dwarves refuse to acknowledge him, and therefore they also refuse to acknowledge the light. They act as if they're still in the dark stable, and they can't see. And no matter what Lucy tries to do, she can't make them see the light. Their hearts and their eyes and their minds were darkened, and so they couldn't see what was standing right in front of them. They loved the darkness, just like every fallen heart, and just like the Pharisees. And the Pharisees loved the darkness so much, in fact, that they decided to get rid of the light that had come into their midst. They decided to kill Jesus. At the end of chapter 8, you can see that they pick up stones to throw at Jesus, but he leaves the temple. And then they scheme and they plot, and eventually they arrest Jesus and they crucify him. The darkness appears to have beaten the light. At the cross, the light appears to be snuffed out, like a candle blown out. The darkness seems to have won, but but we know the rest of the story, don't we? Even from the very first few verses of John's gospel, we we know the outcome. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right from the outset, John tells us that this darkness does not overcome the light. Try though it might. The darkness will throw everything it can at Jesus. 
But in the end, the light of the world conquers the darkness. Our hearts were darkened as well, congregation. And the light of the world came to protect us from the darkness of our hearts. And when we believed in Christ, we moved from the darkness to the light. Charles Wesley's hymn, And Can It Be, speaks of that moment of justification when the light of the world removes the darkness of sinners' hearts. It says this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Your sunrise turned that night to day. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, your voice I knew. I rose, went out, and followed you. Congregation, the light of the world penetrates the darkness of sinners' hearts. It's just like flipping on a light switch in a room. The darkness disappears when the light comes. When the light of the world enters our hearts, the darkness is removed, and we are therefore protected from that darkness. That's good news. That's great news. That's the gospel. The light of the world has come, and he is our protection. But we don't just sit there with new hearts. Once the light of the world has come into our hearts and removed our darkness, we are then enabled to follow him. And we are enabled to walk in the light. And that leads us to our second point this evening, that the light of the world is our direction. No more do we follow the ways of our former sinful dark hearts. Now we can follow the light of the world. We can walk after him according to the word of God. He gives us a new direction for our lives. And you can see this truth in the latter half of verse 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here Jesus shows what the lives of those who follow him will look like. We won't be walking in darkness. We'll be walking in light. If we are following the light of the world, we will have that light for our path throughout our lives. And this stands in stark contrast with how we were walking before, as well as how the world walks. If your heart is full of darkness, you're going to be walking in darkness. But when the light of the world has removed that darkness from your heart and you are following the light of the world, then you'll be able to walk down the correct path. You can walk from one point to the next without tumbling down the stairs or crashing into a wall. You can see where you're going, and so you can have direction as you walk. To go back to that pillar of fire in Exodus, we can see that that light also gave God's people direction. Wherever they traveled, after they left Egypt, until they entered the promised land, God's pillar was there, leading the way. The pillar's heading north, all right, we're heading north. The pillar's going that way, okay, we're going that way. Now this way, now that way. Wherever it goes, we follow the pillar. It showed them where to go because the light of the of that pillar gave them direction. And so in this pillar of fire, we see that light is associated with God's directing presence. So too with the light of the world. Whoever follows the light of the world will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we follow Christ, he will direct us. But what does it look like to follow Christ? How do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to note that following Christ is a continual process. It's not something that we do once and then never again. Rather, it's something that happens daily, over and over, again and again, because this is our sanctification. That process of becoming more and more like Christ 
over our lifetime, the casting aside of the old self and the putting on of the new. Following Jesus is a daily, continual process. And it's also an intentional process. We must decide daily to continue following Jesus. In a profession of faith class that I was a part of this summer, we read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And in that book, he describes what following Jesus looks like. That life is a river constantly pulling us away from Christ. That if Christ is here, that life is consistently pulling us away from him. And so following Jesus means you have to swim upstream. It's a deliberate, concentrated effort. You have to focus on it. You have to intentionally do it. It's not just going to happen on its own. If we relax in life and you just go with the flow, we're going to drift away from Jesus. To go towards Jesus requires vigorous action. It's an intentional process. And it's also a process that can't be faked. We can't pretend to follow Jesus while still hanging on to our sin. 1 John 1 speaks to that. Right? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, walking in the light means walking in accordance with the will of God. And our actions show if we are truly walking in the light. Our actions reveal our faith. And so we need to examine our lives to see if we are lying to those around us and perhaps even to ourselves or if we truly are walking in the light. And people of God, walking in the light, it's worth it. Look at the reward. Whoever follows the light of the world will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we are following Jesus, we won't have darkness. We won't walk in darkness. We'll have the light of life. We'll have Jesus himself. We don't have to worry about stumbling through life, but we'll have the light of life lighting up our path. And a light to our path should sound familiar, right? Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God which, according to John 1, is Jesus. The word of God is a light to my path. And so as we travel the darkness of this world, the darkness that leads to death, we have the light of life who gives us direction as we follow him. In a crude sense, Jesus is the flashlight that shows us where to go in the midst of a dark world. But we can be tempted to ignore that light, can't we? We can still be tempted to walk in the darkness. Perhaps in the darkness of your mind, where you indulge murderous thoughts, adulterous thoughts, idolatrous thoughts. Perhaps in the darkness of your home, where you give in to the despair of loneliness. Perhaps in the darkness of your office, where you're tempted to fudge on your taxes. Congregation, in these situations and every other dark and confusing situation that we encounter in this world, the light of the world is our direction. Now, this isn't to say we should be asking what would Jesus do in each of these situations. Rather, it's to remember what Jesus did for us by removing that darkness from our hearts, 
and how he enables us to live perfectly for him. Not perfectly for him, but for him. And apart from Christ, we would love the darkness and be content in it. But if we are following the light of the world, if our eyes are set on Jesus, then we can do the good and we can walk in the light. And if we are walking in the light, that will attract others to walk in the light as well. Jesus says in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Light is appealing. Right? Think of the bugs gathered around the porch light on a muggy summer night. They're attracted to the light. Think of people lost in a cave. They turn a corner and they see a, a glimpse of sunlight in the distance. That's great news for them, right? Light is appealing to those in the dark. It's attractive. They want to go to it. And so if we are faithfully walking in the light, people will join us as we follow the light of the world. And so, Lord willing, many will arrive with us when our following Jesus reaches its final destination. Now make no mistake, we do follow Jesus with a destination in, ahead of us. Brothers and sisters, the final destination of our Christian walk is the light of God's eternal presence. Think of Revelation 21, where John John describes the new heaven and the new earth. He says this, And I saw no temple in the city, for for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to light it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. There will be no night there. The final destination to which we are heading, if we are following Jesus, is a place of eternal light. There will be no more darkness. The shadows will be gone, replaced by the everlasting brilliance of the light of the world. This is the hope to which we look as we go through our lives in this dark world. And so this evening, I ask you to consider where you are in your life. It may be that you have never experienced the light of the world, that you are spiritually blind, that you're walking in darkness, and if so, you need to ask Jesus to shed his light upon your heart. And you may say, he, he would never do that for me. Right? You, you don't know the dark deeds that are written on my heart. You don't know what I've done. But friend, the, the good news of the gospel is that Christ is the light of the world. With no distinction. Christ is, not, Christ is not just the light of those who seem to have everything put together. No, Christ is the light for those whose life is a mess, too. Christ is the light of the world. And whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever! And so if you are sick of walking in the darkness, if you would like to have the light of life, then this evening come to Jesus and follow him. And maybe you are a Jesus follower. Maybe you have been following Jesus for a few months or a couple of years or an entire lifetime. So let me ask you this evening, where are the dark corners in your life? Where is the sin that you are holding on to? The shadows that are distracting you from this singular focus of following Jesus? Whatever it is, cast it aside. Turn your eyes again to the light of the world and walk full in his wonderful way. And indeed, it is his 
wonderful way. We'll close with this thought that, that we are not the solution, right? We are not the light. You'll hear that often in this world, that, that you just need to look within yourself to find the answer. Follow the light that is within you. But congregation, we can't make the darkness go away. We can't avoid walking in darkness on our own. We have no light within us to do so, no matter what you hear in this world. It doesn't come from us. Christ alone is the light of the world. Christ alone can remove the darkness from your heart. Christ alone can remove the darkness from your life. Christ alone is your direction in this dark world. He is our protection and our direction. And so let us follow him and walk in the light. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the light of this world. We praise you and thank you for sending Jesus into this world to conquer the darkness. We thank you that he conquers the darkness of our hearts and enables us to walk in the light. And Lord, we look forward to where our following will bring us. We look forward to the eternal light of your presence. Grant us your grace and your peace as we continue walking in that direction, following Jesus our Savior, the light of the world. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Our song of, song of response will be number four.